I shaved a little, so I'm sure you two. It's it's been seven years for me. I clippered like three years ago, but I actually haven't shaved with the razor probably in over a decade. This is a transformation. You're different after this, so you're you're meant to come here for a reason. I had to overcome a fear of judgment to come here. You know, I'm a father. At the very core of it, you know, I'm thinking, what would my son want me to do? Who do I want to be for my son? Just going back to work, playing basketball, like the locker room, like I, I, I can, you know, express my feelings towards it. When a guy may say homo, it may be offensive to me now. People are people. You know, it's inside, who gives a shit, whether you're black, Chinese, gay, lesbian, whatever, be you. You know, I'm actually from South Mississippi, and there's still people that hate for no reason. And um, I feel like if I can do it and everybody, all you guys can do it, you know, a lot of people can do it and be more accepting of other people, and I think we'd all be great examples of it. Are you about to cry again? <laughs> I came back last night like sassing it. Amy was like, I can tell you've been hanging out with them queens all day. You're acting just like them. <laughs> so, you know, last week I had mentioned that, that we were going into the dark the, the dark season of, of season six in terms of my least favorite episodes. You mean the dark half? The dark half. And, and this episode, Drag My Wedding, being really honestly one of my least favorite drag race episodes like if i'm if i'm being real that being said and i was really pleasantly surprised how much i and i can't believe i'm saying this how much i enjoyed the untucked from this episode which is what this yeah, clip is from yeah of course um so i i was pleasantly surprised as well because of this moment and i keep forgetting Oh, I just need somebody to remind me all the time when I hate on these types of episodes where they bring in real people. You know, they do it mm -hmm. on Project Runway too, and it's fine. But I think with RuPaul, when she when she does this, when she does this typical episode in reality shows, or at least like design challenges, <clears throat> there for RuPaul, there's an aspect of her platform, mm -hmm. of her activism, right? And she uses this episode which I think goes really well with her main platform, which is love, right? Mm -hmm. it's, when, it's when the design challenges kind of take a back seat and like the real purpose of the episode is really just for her to preach love and, and her worldview and you know, just, just about this idea of marriage, right? Which is also a performance and right. kind of showing that it's like the social construct that it only means something if the people in it believe it, right? And that everything around it, these laws and things, it's all created. The costumes that they wear, the, the vows, everything is all created and all constructed. So I kind of love that she used a straight couple to do this. And so we have these men sitting in these dresses yeah. and in full drag makeup and and basically preaching her message for her because yeah. one of the, one of the most powerful things about it and about change and social change is when you can get people of the dominant right to preach the message of the oppressed and yeah. she does this so well here, right? Where these men are sitting around. Granted, these are all very spectacular, wonderful men, which I know are connected to this podcast. Whereas, I don't know, maybe some of our listeners aren't straight men, but we know that there are straight women who are married to wonderful straight men that, you know, 
definitely are open-minded. I would hope. Um, and I, and I feel like these men are, are, are lovely and they're sitting there preaching love and I love it. There's something to be said. I mean, and, and this was again, and I, I, it bears repeating Bianca it bears repeating that <laughs> I, I don't love this episode, but I, I guess, I don't know if I've even watched the untucked before I watched it for this, for this episode of our podcast or if I'd seen it before and just forgotten about it, but there is something about seeing these, you know, six straight men sitting around in drag, talking about and and, and listen. I get if there's a there, if there's a performative element, they're kind of there to to push a message. I'm not mad at that sure. because no, I, I think I'm it's happy. Great. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of it. I, yep. she's not she's not lying about it. You know, right, right. If if there's if there's something a little bit produced or manufactured for the sake of the message i'm okay with that but there's something about that that is so i I just was like wow this is so exciting and you know i i love this clip of just the the straight men alone sitting around talking about their experience as much as i loved earlier in the untucked seeing the the men with the queens kind of all Mm. talking and bantering there was just there was this element of and I don't know. I mean, I know this experience as a straight man. I am as a straight man. Girl, what? please. Girl, please. Um, record scratch. <laughs> yeah. Who you fooling? Bum, bum, yeah, right? As I like tuck the purse back into my mouth. Um, <laughs> I know this. I know this quality as a gay man that there's something about there's something empowering about having a um, a positive interaction with a straight man. And maybe some of it's based on my own experiences growing up, my own experiences with high school and just like what so many gay men know about of like just trying to find the connective tissue with straight men. And right. and I loved seeing, you know, and, and again, I, I recognize that the men that were chosen to be on this Drag My Wedding episode, you know, are, are not – they're not they may not be your typical straight man you know like it it takes a certain type of guy to say yeah i'm gonna go on this show and i'm gonna get you know put into drag and i'm totally into that like you're getting a certain breed of straight guy but that's fine because there's something about as a gay man finding that connective tissue with straight men um that is so i mean honestly the only thing i can think of is so healing you know what i mean it's so healing it it transcends the pain that you've felt from rejection right and right. rejection of the straight world which you know can definitely connect us to a, a later topic that we want to talk about but you mm-hmm. know i want to i want to talk about one aspect of this show before we kind of introduce ourselves is the fact that she used heterosexual men and heterosexual couples mm-hmm. um i feel like there's a critique there of you know why some might critique rue for using heterosexual couples but i do want to just stay here state here that if she used gay couples She'd really only be doing the expected and yep. in a way kind of kind of making it even more heteronormative and offensive if she took two gay men and made one of them a woman. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So by mm-hmm. using straight couples and dragging it, she's actually showing the power of drag, right? She's actually putting gender on its head and twisting it all out of whack. It's straight men, gay men. It just doesn't matter because it's all just a performance of gender. So yeah. if she had used the, the lesbians or the gay men – it would have actually been promoting proper gender roles as yeah. opposed to the opposite. So I, I I think since she has a drag show, she might as well drag the straight man, not the gay man, because she's already dragging the gay men. Right, right. And it, it's, 
it really, I mean, again, I don't love this episode, but I do love the message they were trying to push. I do love the ideas that they were pushing. I do love the opportunities they were taking. And I think there, there's something about seeing, I mean, in particular, just seeing all these straight men sitting around in drag and just being present in, in the drag, being present in what this was doing to their understanding of gender and their understanding of masculinity and their expression of masculinity. Yeah, yeah. Brandon, I, in particular, yeah. Brandon, the black queen, uh, totally was, he just became a different person, it seemed. like he, It was like the drag, being in drag allowed him to say things that he probably wouldn't have been comfortable saying as the very kind of very shy, from at least what the camera showed, the very shy right. man. Right. Um, in boy clothes. Which so many gay men who've done drag can tell you, like, that's the power of drag. I mean, Ben de la yeah. Creme is a fantastic yeah. example of a queen right. who turned to drag to express something that he couldn't find in his male self and his male identity. And right. it, it was really exciting to see. And it's, I mean, again, it's, it's just, it's so powerful and so important, I think, to see straight men embracing the blurred lines here and being okay with it and that it doesn't implicate anything because like as a gay man watching this episode i didn't look at any of these men on stage and drag and think they were less of a man i don't even right. think i don't even think the of opposite that. i thought yeah. the opposite yeah. I, if anything i was more like kind of like wow that's a turn on that is Absolutely. a turn on if that is my love you know these women probably were floored that they right. would do this if, if if anything for them and i don't think it was just for them yeah i hope i hope these guys got i hope these guys got just fabulous blowjobs once they untucked themselves from behind from between their ass cheeks because no they, no 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 i hope that the women got fabulous i hope jobs. everybody got i want everyone like my political platform is everybody gets a good head job whatever you get a blow job and you and get you a blow, get a blow, blow job, job and you get a blow job i want everybody i love blowjobs <laughs> yeah. everybody i want everybody to go home happy but you know, I don't even, and, it, and it's funny saying that because I, I realize saying that, that I don't even, I have never, in watching Drag Race, I have never thought of any of these contestants, this, the gay contestants that we've seen throughout the seasons. I have never thought of the ones who identify as male. I've never thought of them as less than male by doing drag. If I mean, when I talk about Drag Race with people who don't watch it, like I was just before we recorded this, I was at brunch with some people and I was talking about somebody about Drag Race. And I said, here's the amazing thing about Drag Race. These are these these performers who are expected to sew, sing, dance, act, do amazing makeup, do all kinds of like performative elements. These are these are consummate performers at no point do i think that there's any implication on their gender i think there's profound power <laughs> in what they're yeah. doing i mean they can do so much you know yeah, and it sucks that there's like zero credit given to them you know what i mean like right? their fame isn't as much as if it was a straight person right 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 and there, there's just this kind of like uh, there's this derisive element oh it's just a drag queen and i really think maybe it's it's interesting that it took seeing straight men to do drag to recognize how much work and how much yeah. power there is in and strength there takes to do drag you know yeah and you know it's interesting you say that i i think of um uh, many of the new york queens that were actually boy broadway performers 
mm-hmm. and then they couldn't make it or weren't making it, I should say, and then did drag. And then all of a sudden we're making money as a performer and, and you know, getting shows off Broadway or uh, getting shows in commercials and, and, and doing things like that and having a career. And all of a sudden the power came when they were tr- showing more talent and, and shedding the gender. Yeah. Yeah. It's really it, – it turns everything on its side that we think about when we think about gender and the power that comes with it. And and I can understand there – you know, there's people I've talked to from a, from a very strong – feminist point of view that it's like oh well the only reason they have power is because there is a man underneath there's a man right underneath the feminine form and i get that and i'm not even arguing that there's actually a lot of truth in that i totally get that but it's um but like i said before you need sometimes to expose truths about an oppressed group sometimes it takes somebody from the dominant majority to voice that concern and to voice that that you know, false reality. Right. Well, I mean, I think the perfect example politically is like the whole like legalizing gay marriage thing didn't happen until like the Republicans got on board and were like, okay, all right, fine. Then, then let's make this pass. Like it, it, it's one thing for kind of like the obvious party to support it, but it's not until the other side says, all right, I get it. All right. Right. And that comes from awareness. That comes from meaningful dialogue. That comes from, fucking guts nerve and persistence yeah right we can't you know it's like you can't back down on this gender thing right we're gonna keep showing you that it is a performance so it will take men to have man buns it will take men to be wearing caftans it will take men you know going to marches and men fighting for Planned Parenthood and things like that, right? It's not just a woman's issue. It's a it's a people issue, right? Yeah. And I, I hate to get too, too political and, and go too far off track. But, I, you know, we believe profoundly that this show is very important because it it it's a small subsect of so much that is actually going on in the world. So yeah. I don't necessarily feel too bad about going there, but um, because it's just an example of systems of oppression, right? That RuPaul is systematically, especially with episodes like this, uh, that RuPaul is deconstructing. Right. Well, and there's the intention, right? Like no matter how clunky it may come off or, or maybe not as exciting an episode as it may be compared to other ones, there's absolutely an intention there to, to sure. bring this issue to the forefront and say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put, put a bunch of straight guys into drag and not just right. like not just like a bunch of like soft hippie dads from Berkeley, California. We're going to take these military guys and this goth guy. Like we're going to take these like manly men and we're going to put them in a drag because we're sure. going to defy all of those points of view. And right. like, yeah, maybe we're going to make some of them a little bit uncomfortable. And like to be fair – if someone is signing on to be on Drag Race to be in a makeover episode, there's a level of comfort that must exist, right? But at the same time, whether it be real or not, those na- people exist. Those, those yeah, people a- exist absolutely. And the narrative that that's being offered in this show is really like you know, because like I think a perfect example is you know, Courtney Act talks about this in Untucked. She says, you know, it was she says this to the guy, which I which I really. I loved because I loved that it was a conversation and not just a talking head where she's like, you know, here I was working with this like big, tough, straight guy, you know, who is, uh, you know, in the military, this big bearded, muscly guy. And she says, it's someone that I would be afraid of. 
and mm. I was able to connect with and then like share my 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 art with and share my passion with and I thought that's I mean I get it I get it I know as a gay man when I'm able to have a conversation with a straight man and I can detect his comfort or his willingness to hear me as a gay man. It's like this is where the healing happens. This is where the growth happens. Like sure. this is sure. this is important and and yeah. it's this is where it, this is where change happens. It's not me just kicking with my gay friends about gay rights. Like this is about like crossing party lines. And yes, I yes, I I agree with all of that. I just want to play the radical feminist card and say that we also, I'm just going to say also, because it's not an and, it's not a dichotomy. We also don't need straight men to approve our art. And we of don't course. need to connect with straight men over our art. And we don't need them to validate us in any way. We also don't need to have conversations with them, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like there's so much, we're, we're, straight men are always so coddled and it's always like, oh, well, let's make sure that they're happy or let's make sure that they approve, you know? And we absolutely do not need their approval. Like mm -hmm. there's nothing about it, right? Uh, I just wanted to put that perspective on board here because it, it doesn't always have to be about the straight man. But because the straight man is here and it is – the episode is more, I think, more about making them stretch and grow yeah. rather than the drag queens. And like I said at the start of this kind of rant I went on, the, the design is definitely a backseat here. Yeah. I mean, sure, they, they, they critique them on the runway, but like that's not what this episode is about. No. Because all of the queens basically looked the same, except Jocelyn's guy had a terrible dress on. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the makeup was a yeah. rough spot. Yeah. Yeah. And not even the makeup. I didn't, you know, I didn't really even mind the makeup, but I know that you have tea on that. But I, the design wasn't what, what was up front here. It was about making sure that this message got through and not for the approval of straight men but to show that there are straight allies right yeah. and that and that gender means nothing right it's about love and it's about heart and that when this man is in a dress or when he's not in a dress he is our ally yeah yeah it really i mean at the end of the day if you if you want to make change happen it's not just about bringing all the the obvious allies on board you know i mean like to be realistic, you and I both know, like, straight men wield a significant amount of power in this world, far more so than women, far more so than gay men. And it's just the reality of the, of the world that we live in right now. And I think that there's something about as much as we don't need that approval and as much as we don't need that validation, there is that element of breaking into that and, and breaking breaking down the identity of the straight man and showing right. because gay men have proven that there are so many variations on what a man can be and right. yet you know and i think about this a lot with straight men that like in some ways and i'm not saying straight men are oppressed but in some ways they they have so many more limits than we do in how they express themselves we have so much more freedom and the perfect example i can think of is from the untucked you know when Adora's mom comes on and, they, and they're showing the, the footage of her talking to Adora and Adora starts crying and they're all being very supportive of her. The tears and the emotions are really kind of accepted. And it's really like, okay, emotions are coming up. What's going on? And in comparison, when Adora's, you know, drag daughter is talking and, she, and he's getting kind of choked up and then Brandon says, oh, are you going to cry again? There's that element of like... Policing. Like, 
policing exactly and it's like that's that's what we need to break down it's like it's it's not even a at that point it's beyond gay or straight it's just masculinity it's just men yeah. man up right man yeah. up what does that fucking mean right yeah. man up is such an awful awful term if i ever hear anybody say man up i you know i say it's something like, yeah like what the fuck does that mean and like like men's the message that so many men have gotten and i don't want to go into this but there there is certainly an element of race in this as well in terms of like the messages that men get in terms of their yeah. their freedom to express their emotions and to express you know tears and what like whatnot that you know i as a gay man there is there is no limit to the emotions that i express because i have already gone far beyond what those quote-unquote rules are of what it is to be a man but straight men are expected to fall into that and if they don't fall in, in in line with those rules the implications about their masculinity and about what that means to be a man and their 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 manhood are all up for debate and i just think Awful. that it's an Awful. interesting type of oppression very sad that yeah, yeah, that I'm grateful as a gay man to not experience. That but I don't get, and that's gender oppression, right? That is yep. also the same oppression that women police each other on, mm -hmm. right? When they're calling each other fat, or you know, saying why aren't you shaving your legs, or all of that yep. stuff. Yeah, right. It's, gender yeah. oppression, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, and it's, and it's and it's and it's it's sickening, right? That these that men are built in this country, especially in other countries as well. But I know this one uh, in America. Uh, mm. In America, America. Uh, that they yeah. are that they are built like machines, right? Yeah. That they sh can't show emotions. That they have to have this armor on, whether it's muscles or whether it's a suit or jeans uh, and a and a white t-shirt, right? It, it they have to look and act and be a certain way. Now, is it is it excused more for men than women? I think so. Like women, mm. I think are criticized more on both sides of the gender spectrum than men are whereas men are critique each other whereas i don't think women critique men as much i mean i know they do but i right. don't think that it that it's going to happen as drastically if a man you know might des might decide to cry i think a woman m many women might not uh be as vocal and angry about it as uh, some men would well, you know, there's a there's a really um, there's a, a researcher. She's put out a, a few books. She's her name is Brene Brown. She's fantastic, and she's written a lot about vulnerability and about shame. And early in her career, she wrote a lot, mostly from a women woman's perspective, and really about women and 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 their struggles with vulnerability and shame. And and she talks about all the time. She tells the story about her at a book signing. And, and there was a man who came up to get, you know, a book signed and he was really kind of questioning her about not writing about the men's perspective. And he said, it's really convenient that you don't speak from, you know, you don't really acknowledge the men's perspective in terms of vulnerability and shame because he's like, I've got a wife and daughters and if, and they expect me to be this like prince on a white horse. And if I falter from that, I'm failing them you know mm -hmm. and 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 the shame that comes with that and it really awakened her to like this this whole idea of shame and vulnerability i mean it's different for men and for women and it really opened her eyes to to exploring what shame and vulnerability means to men and for women and i that that spoke so much to me this idea that like there there are these pressures on men particularly straight men to be the prince on the white horse to be the fixer you know a lot of times 
there's there's the critique that men are always just trying to like fix the situation that they just need to fix it like they're just so driven to fix something versus just listening and it's like well where do you think that came from they've been programmed that what their job to do is to fix everything you know is to mm. be functional and there's no right. room in, emo in in function for emotions and it's you know so so in that point of view i i appreciate what rupaul is doing um in in showing these straight men who i don't know like i think all of that got broken down and got taken out of the mix like it, i i appreciate any opportunity to see straight men taken out of that opportunity to be uh to be the fixers to be the ones in power to be the ones who control a situation right yeah i feel you i i i, I can't i can't uh, disagree at all um yeah I, I, the the thing that it keeps going through my head is, uh, is just that radical feminist kind of perspective of like, all right, well, fix it, you know, then fix yourself, straight men, you know, it's like then educate yourself, um, and 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 get on board, stop, stop buying into it and expecting others to, you know, to 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 give you a pass, you know. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, anyway, um, what what I. What are we listening to? Let's let's you know. What are we about. listening to? What I mean, well, folks, if you haven't figured it out at this point, we've we're, we're going deep on gender, drag, masculinity. What else could you be listening to? But of course, another episode of All Right, Mary. All right, Mary. All right, Mary, which is our podcast dedicated to all things drag race, the world of drag race, and the paradigm that RuPaul has created with this little TV show. And of course, today we are talking about the season six episode of Drag My Wedding. Um, and which, uh, as I said early on, and as I said last week, not my favorite episode. And I stand mm -hmm. by, despite despite the really, you know, I love where our conversation is going right now. I really do. Uh, the other the other episodes have not inspired us to go this deep. Um, but it's it is a clunky episode with a very good message. And so, though, that's my that's my that's my two cents on this episode. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Well, before we move on, uh, there was an interesting tweet from RuPaul this week that I think actually really relates to our conversation and this episode. And she tweeted recommending a book called The Velvet Rage, mm. which which I think is super important to mention because it's one of those books that came out like in 2002, but didn't get uh, – I guess the longer it's been around, the more sales it's had. Mm -hmm. Which I think is a sign that it's through word of mouth that it's a great book. And uh, for me, that's how I found out about it is my friend Peter McDowell um, in Chicago. He said, oh, Johnny, you need to read this book. And he gave me this book and then I read it and I I couldn't believe how many light bulbs went off and yeah. how much was – just opened up for me as a gay person living in this straight world. Um, it's a book uh, that basically, it's by this therapist uh, who had a very long career working with uh, gay men, and he kind of chronicles all these gay men and their stories uh, and finds the common thread between them. Uh, it's by Alan Downs, and he Basically, the, the premise of it is that most of gay behavior and the, the problems that gay men have all stem from the shame that they feel growing up 
as a gay man in a straight man's world. Mm. Uh, the Velvet Rage. You were actually the one who who turned me onto the Velvet Rage. I'd never heard of it before. I um, turned you on. Colin. You betcha. Oh, baby, I was just <laughs> I was reading that by candlelight with a fistful of Jergens. Yeah, a fistful of what? <laughs> fistful of what? Um, yeah, I the Velvet Rage uh, is. You know, it's inter- it, it, I, I agree completely. It's so many light bulbs went off for any gay man who's listening to this podcast right now. If you have not read The Velvet Rage, I like as somebody who knew nothing about it and then was told, "Oh, you should read The Velvet Rage," like with no context. I mean, which was kind of the same experience you had. Uh, I, I mean, blown away at at what it illuminated for me and the gay male experience. And it's interesting, actually, to tie it to Drag Race. I mean, A, I love, I love that RuPaul was recommending it. I mean, Oh, my God, yeah. Right? Like, like, oh, good. Okay, this is part of her brand. This is part of her message. Yes. Yes. So validating. But... What it what it showed me, I mean, there's stages, you know, he, he really talks about I mean there's the Three stages. The concept of stage two is so yeah. profound to me. It's yes. like, oh my god, I know what stage two is. That's and, because most of us are in stage two, you know. I feel like you and I are coming out of it. Absolutely. Um, and for people that haven't read it, I, I just think you should read it. Um, some people disagree with it because it's a paradigm that you know maybe they don't feel or they don't see. And again, it's a paradigm. It doesn't have to be yours. It doesn't have to be right. But what I think is so great about this book is that it takes the, the perspective of so many gay men from all walks of life and he finds this brilliant connection. And so if you are ever wondering why so many gay men are uh, obsessed with travel or why so many gay men are obsessed with having a really great home to host parties and why so many gay men are checking grinder at brunch with all of their friends you should read this book yes you know it's it's funny when i years ago because i didn't really i was i was a little late to the game with watching drag race you know i didn't get onto it like right off the bat the way you did um, I think I started watching it maybe after season four it ended. Someone like convinced me to watch, like, oh, you should really watch this. And on, on Netflix, there was like season three and four. And I had been resisting Drag Race because I thought it was just going to be a bunch of bitchy gay men being nasty to each other. Like the A-list. Yeah, yeah, just being a bunch of cunty gays, which is so stage two in a way. And I was yeah. like, I don't want that. I'm not, I, I don't want... I, I don't want to see that in my. I don't need to see that, you know. I don't need. I don't need that. <laughs> Get those queens out of my face. <laughs> exactly. Like I. I was. I was. You know. I. I didn't want to see that in my real life, and I certainly wasn't going to spend my free time watching that on TV. And it, that was my perception that Drag Race was a bunch of stage two queens being nasty to each other because that's so much of what the Velvet Rage really gives gives depth and meaning to is is that is that nastiness that comes with gay culture and, and gay you know interpersonal well, yeah, connection. I guess I guess nastiness is is how you put it. For me I I just think of it as unconnectedness or just kind of emptiness. Mm-hmm. I feel like stage two is is really emptiness for me. And and nastiness can fill that or it can express that's how it, it manifests as nastiness. Yeah, certainly. Absolutely. And and that was my emptiness. Yeah, well, the roots of it certainly, but the manifestation of being of being nasty with each other, being shady with each other to the point of just like 
cutting each other down i just i'm just not into i just you know it it can be fun to kiki with each other and and throw some gentle shade and whatnot and roast each other but like at the end of the day i i i've always felt that you're what you're sacrificing in the name of a quippy response is not worth it you know yeah there's so much there's so much time lost on having meaningful conversations and open kind of open dialogues and and being true with yourself and being like you know this is how i'm feeling this is what i think yeah you know as opposed to you know protecting your true thoughts with shade or with you know nastiness or some armor right yeah yeah and and i mean that was one of i think probably that's probably what's hooked me into loving this show so much is is this profound human element of of these contestants who who bear their hearts and bear their souls and bear their pain and their shame and and the struggles they've come into this competition with and Mm. i think that that I mean, I, that's probably uh, that's what hooked me. Self saboteur, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and and yeah. and of course, I mean, none of that would be apparent without RuPaul's clear understanding of that dynamic. Right. You know, right. it's right. It really... and showing Laganja and showing Gia, you mm-hmm. know, and having those queens next to a Bianca who I don't think is out of the clear, right, or mm-hmm. in the clear. You know, I mm. uh, again, but just in juxtaposing the least, yeah. them all in different. They're in, I don't want to say stages because that's not what I mean in terms of this, but in different places of their lives yeah, right? and yeah. of their development as, as a human being, as an individual. Right, right. I, I really think that the way that Drag Race shows us so much of, 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 of the boys behind the women, you know, because – and I say boys instead of men because, you know, I mean that's, that's such a thing among, you know, gay men is like brunch with the boys. Like there's just this kind of like Peter Pan quality to gay men. Mm-hmm. But when mm. I say boys, I just mean there is – these are boys. The, yeah, the know? boys raised by their mother, behind yeah. their mother's skirt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we really – I mean you – know, Or, sorry to bring it up, but left at a bus stop, you know? Absolutely. I, I think of I think of the boyhood experiences of someone like a Roxy, like a Bendela Creme, you know? Like these are what, – what happened as children and how, and how they've grown – because in despite of that, you know, and I think that the Velvet Rage really speaks to that. And I and I think for fans of Drag Race, regardless if you're a gay man or a straight woman or, or whatever variation, you know, of, of, you know, fan you are, I think if you really want to really understand who these people are and where they come from, I think the Velvet Rage is just an amazing amazing piece of context it, mm-hmm. it it explains so much to me and what my experience has been and i think it's just as important for allies and for other people who are who are friends or who have gay people in their life to understand them better the velvet yeah. rage is incredible context and and i think that a straight woman reading it i think would would think about herself as well you know what i mean oh, i think yeah. that there are things to learn just about how you are in the world or in, in a straight man's world because unfortunately it is a man's world yeah oh i th- you know that actually would be really fascinating to me is a straight woman who's read the velvet rage to understand like what that spoke to her experience about because mm-hmm. there's absolutely a connection there Well, let's jump into this episode. Mm. Um, it's the what is it? Drag my wedding. I believe uh, it's drag my wedding. <laughs> drag my wedding. Drag my uh, wedding. <laughs> please. Um, the- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> drag my wedding, please. Take my wife, please. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's <laughs> so appropriate. So I got to tell you the first the first note. Oh, you know, is it the first note that I wrote down too? It Go might be, it. but the I mean, mine is like the very first note of the episode is is you know they're coming back in from uh, Trinity's unfortunate elimination. You know, rest mm. in peace. God bless you, Trinity. Mm. And you know, Courtney is doing this kind of like squawking bird thing, and Bianca and, and Jocelyn are both like, "Oh, shut up!" And it. it <laughs> You know, and, and I feel kind of bad now that we've been kind of, we've been talking about all these important points to say that like it really was the most perfect opening for a terrible episode that they were just like, oh, <laughs> shut up, you know? shut up, yeah, shut, shut up, up. yeah, that <laughs> they just like weren't having it. Uh, what was was that? Does that match with my, your first? Mine point? was mine was a little uh, Aussie versus American shade mm-hmm. or confusion when she's like my right testicle and Bendel oh, yes. was like your your rat test or maybe it was Jocelyn. I think it was Bendel. Your ben. rat testicle. What's a rat testicle? Right, my right. right testicle. <laughs> well, you know when I re- when I recently rewatched the episode, <laughs> I, I just thought about rat testicles. I was like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, yeah. When I recently rewatched this for this for this episode of the podcast, I. It's funny. I had the exact same response. I was like, "Rat testicle." Like I heard the same thing. Uh, mm. You know what? I, the the next note I had, there was just you know, obviously it's all editing, but um, Bianca, it, there was just there was a sense that she was just like, you know, she was just kind of over Courtney. She was just done with it. At one point, she refers to Courtney as little Ava Perone, who looks like a sad bird. Which right, I right. Was right. Like, all right, digging. Mary. Yeah, she yeah. was kind of digging all there. Yeah, that kind. I think that kind of came out as like. I mean, I think she was like annoyed at, at Courtney for kind of reading her. She was just like, "Fuck you." Yeah, so. yeah. I th- I think you know, there's that element of I mean, similar to the way that Bianca was getting over Laganjo, where it's just like enough. Like, I'm tired of like, I'm tired of the act, Courtney. You know what I'm saying, Mary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's well, caught in the act. She's caught in the act. But you know, to Courtney's defense, you know, they, they they have a talking head of Bianca saying, you know, Bianca's kind of critiquing Courtney in a I would say a fair way. She says, you yeah. know. Maybe she shouldn't come out as a blonde every time and, and wearing next to nothing. You know, and, and what Bianca says is, you know, we all know she's pretty. Like, give us something else. But in Courtney's defense, like, I go back to that black and white look. That was something else. Yeah. That was yeah. something. I mean, that was – I get that there was a bikini quality to it or, a, you know, the, the legs were bare quality to it. But, like – Honey, you got it flaunted. Like, you have a brand. Bianca did the same fucking thing yes. by wearing – the gown, the same type of gown. What, what did what did Courtney call it? Uh, oh, she called the, it the uh, oh the boat neck gown. The boat neck uh, gown. She, she called that boat neck gown. Of course, Bianca's riding on that as well. She's riding on funny, if anything, mm-hmm. right? Oh, totally. So so it, it, the you know it goes both ways. I I think our listeners should know that Marco is now in front of the screen. <laughs> He's been doing this a lot lately. He's gotten very. Clingy. He wants your attention. He wants yeah. my attention. He's he's become a bit of a lap cat, which is, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm all too pleased. It's your dream. It's your it's dream. dream. That's what you wanted. But yeah. he, you know, he was laying on my notes, and I was like, "Girl, these are my notes." These. <laughs> so I he's gonna lay notes. on the computer now. He's gonna lay on the computer now. Like, you know, what's your deal, Queen? Uh, yeah. You know, it's uh, if anybody wants to know, Marco, your cat's nickname is Jen Goobies. Jennifer Goobies. Yeah, Grandma Yeah, Jennifer Goobies. Goobies. Yeah, yeah, Grandma He's just there. Anyway, yeah. um, back to Drag Race. <laughs> so uh, we move on to the mini challenge. And oh, the mini God. challenge is, is – You know dumbest. what? I, the only th- – th- there are two things that I loved about it. The mm-hmm. two things I loved about it, right? 
Number one is the song, because that is a great song. Mm-hmm. It's a great little rap song that she wrote. I think it's got clever rhymes in it. I'm okay. You know, she she references Daenerys from Game of Thrones. Yes, no, I, and I appreciated sense. that for sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, of course, obviously, you know me. I love a good pun. So she Puns. has uh, a or wordplay. She has Georgia O'Queef, Twerks mm-hmm. of Art, and I love when she says, "But does it match my couch?" Yeah. Well. <laughs> Th- this mini challenge may have had the most puns I've ever seen squeezed oh, into God, one it was moment. Great. Andy but- Warhol, uh, and then she she even references Dadaism, right? She, yeah, Lady Dada. Yeah, uh, which is fabulous and so RuPaul, right? Um, because the show is Dada in a way. Right, but what I my favorite though, and I have to say my favorite is when when RuPaul says, you know, shake your Picasso, and then Darian Lake says, Darian Lake says, I'm going to shake my Monet maker, and you can tell RuPaul, RuPaul was like. <laughs> Oh fuck! That was good. We didn't. Th- she like looks at the producers like, "Why didn't you think of that? That was perfect." What the fuck, you know? Because that was great. Uh, my Trinity K Monet maker. <laughs> right, 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 right. See, that would have been perfect if they kept Trinity around. She could have shaked her Trinity K Trinity K Monet maker. But you know, though, I have to say this mini challenge. You don't it's, like it because it's gross and messy, I feel. Well, it just – it didn't make any fucking sense. It didn't make any sense. I mean honestly, like the note that I took was like this mini challenge should just be called bath salts because it just – it was just like <laughs> fucking insanity. I didn't understand uh, the point of it. I, there was, it was for the song. It was – you know, it's also kind of entertaining. It was entertaining. It was fine. I you know, I I, I, in, in terms of mini challenges, sure, it was the most pointless, but it was also not the worst. No, the the worst are the ones that are like obviously selling things, and right. you know, and I don't include last week's scruff challenge because I'm still thinking about that guy in the purple underpants. Wah 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 wah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but yes, no, it was. It just didn't. I mean, the worst one, I guess, for me, honestly, is we talked about last week is that bunk bed challenge. I because uh, I won't. I won't even watch I, it. I won't even uh, watch it. I hate it so uh, much. God, the bunk beds. All right, so Bianca wins for whatever reason. You know, yeah, I guess she doesn't yeah. even win anything special. No, all. Oh she no, wins. she does. She does. She gets to pair the bride. Excuse me, the women mm-hmm. with uh with the drag drag queens, which I don't think meant anything. It was no, totally it, random. Right. It was whatever. And in some ways, I always feel like there's something a little bit strategic about who gets paired with who. So, uh, from a producer standpoint, like I I I always kind of question that just a little bit. Um, okay. But I mean, in this case, it didn't really seem to make. A profound difference I, I i think of that in some of the other makeover challenges like i think of season five for example it, it there's an element of certain certain queens getting paired with certain you know guest characters it's like was oh, it okay. that was the um they were veterans and so like like jinx oh, had the older guy right, right, who right. you know thought he killed judy garland and all that this one was not as as uh there there wasn't as much as many implications um sure. but yes so so bianca wins she gets to pair up the queens because of course the mini challenge is uh they will be dragging these husbands of the, the main challenge the main challenge. challenge i probably oh, yeah. did uh sorry i'm be... just gonna mansplain you there yeah Actually, yeah could you just uh, explain it for me thanks thanks <laughs> it's just my brain's smaller um <laughs> but yes, the main challenge is they'll be pairing up the, the husbands of these women 
and will be the mothers of the bride, you know, much to Michael Kors' dismay. They'll be very MOB, <laughs> uh, very mother of the bride. Yeah, yeah, it was all very record scratch for the queens, and they were yes. like, oh, all right. And I'm sure they kind of expected it, right? Right, it couldn't be as easy as just dragging up a bunch of women. Then it's um, drag you, yeah. Yeah, it's true, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, but we what we did discover in, in this portion of the episode is that RuPaul is an, an ordained minister, which... You know, I I could imagine RuPaul could hold a hell of a ceremony. Uh, uh, she she I mean she has she, every episode is basically her mm, preaching, mm-hmm. right? It is her gospel. Yeah. yeah. If 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 push came to shove and I was getting married, you know, if the powers that be saw it to be, uh, I would love to have RuPaul do the honors, but mm. I, I'm not going to dream so big. You know, uh, you should dream big. You should be I, big. I would. I mean, I would be honored. That would be super fun. Uh, though at the same time, I always think of RuPaul on what's the. I've been re-listening to some old episodes of the What's the Tea, and you know she's I, RuPaul is she's moving into this hermit phase. Like she's been mm. very upfront. She's like, I I am done with people. Like I'm not interested in connecting with people. I'm looking to just live mm-hmm. my own narrative. So I don't want to bother RuPaul. You know what I'm saying, Mary? When I say, obviously, I should put some context to, you know, why I don't love this episode, um, you know, beyond the message, beyond which I think I think we've we've well celebrated the power of the episode. So now I can, you know, I've started with the good. Now I can I can knock what's not so good. I think there's just so much about the guests. And, and I'm just I, I didn't. I didn't pay for the guests. You know what I mean? I, my, my admission, my, my two drink minimum is not to see the guests characters on the episode. I want to see the Queens. That's what I'm here for. And right. so like, I'm just not as interested in, in understanding their stories and, and what, what's going on with them. And, and there was a lot, this episode about the, about these guests. And so extra. it was, a it was, it was a lot. It was extra Thorgy. Have you have you contacted Thorgy? Have you let her know you're in the BK and mm, you know? I should. She likes right? short, thick guys. Yeah, you know, so. she likes she likes those Layla types. You know those Layla there? types. She yeah, likes those Layla types. Just, just call me Layla McJohnny. You know. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have a th and an orgy and feel incredible. So. Yeah, yeah. I could, you know, I could just I could quote Beetlejuice and then quote it incorrectly. You know, that's all it takes. Before you know it, she's dreadlocks deep in you, girl. Uh, oh, so- <laughs> God. I, I, first, first of all, anyway, thanks, Flip Mary. it and reverse it. All right. Flip <laughs> it and reverse it. Got it. Um, I just want her to be my friend. I don't want to sleep with Thorgy. Oh, anyway. I know. I, yeah, Thorgy is not to porch. Thorgy is not someone I have any sort – I can't imagine her having sex. I'd love to be friends with Thorgy. I think that she's a hoot. Yeah. Man. Yeah, she's um, kind of like – she'd be like a mom, you know? Yeah, she's a mom. She's a, she's a clown mom. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the notes that I've got to to run through our queens and their couples real quick, what I've written down, you know, Bianca's couple, I, I, there wasn't much. I have some notes later, but, you know, the only note I really had up front was that it was a good pairing because they wanted a dominant eye, which is, of course, you know, Bianca's, you know, claim to fame. Yeah. Uh, well, the note I had, he's he's from Holland. His name yes. is Alex. And then there was that cheesy commentary when Bianca was like. I made a friend today. I connected with a straight man, which obviously is great. It's good to highlight that. But it mm-hmm. did feel very canned from Bianca. It felt very Laganja, actually. Yeah. Well, you know, I had that note. That that was something that I wrote down for later is when she and Alex are talking. The thing with Bianca is that, like, 
you know, they're kind of ha- they're 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 cutting the pads up, and they're kind of she's saying, you know, like I'm not looking to recruit, blah blah blah. The thing with Bianca is that when she's being fake, when it's clearly a producer prompt conversation, it's very obvious that Bianca's being fake. You know, whereas it, it really contrasts when Bianca's being real. You know what I mean? Like there are there are those moments where she's helping a door out, or I always think about when she says to Courtney, I think. In the last episode when she's like, well, now that's just being shady, you know, when she's talking about Courtney talking about Jocelyn. When Bianca's being real, it's very palpable. (laughs) But when she's being Mm. fake, oh, God, it's like it's it's so obvious. And it's just I don't think she was being fake, but I do think she was she was uh, what's the word for constructed? Like, what am I trying to say here? She she was being it just seems so synthesized. Yeah, it was all prompted by producers. Like, now here, talk about this. We need to see, we need to see this happen. Can you guys have this conversation? And I think that Bianca's a really good sport about it. Like, I don't want to yeah. knock Bianca. She's she's following her contract. She's doing what they're asking her to do. She's being a really good sport in terms of a contestant on a TV show. I it just I just think that there's a very clear dichotomy between when she's being real and when she's being prompted. And it just speaks more to like who the real Bianca is, you know? Right. Right. And so, yeah, I, I had that. That's the feeling I got from that interaction. Um, you know, when, when we're first introduced to Jocelyn and Brandon, you know, I mean, first things first, as soon as they cut to them, they start playing the goofy music. And I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. Jocelyn, you're fucked. As soon as they play goofy music on you, like this is this is like a drag queen drag race like trope. As soon as they start playing goofy music behind you, you're fucked. You're done. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, they are really setting you up. Although they did play kind of goofy music with Darian. Yeah, but you know, it's true. And Darian, I feel like has just. I mean, we've talked about this before that she hovers around the bottom the entire season. You know, mm. I mean, she's. I think that Darian, and this is probably a little bit porching off a little bit but darian is kind of misrepresented the entire season <laughs> sorry i'm just i'm thinking about a uh you know gay men that hover around bottoms <laughs> mm. yeah nothing wrong with gay men hover around bottoms they're just you know they're just fishing in the waters you know the rivers and the lakes that they're used to you know what i'm yeah, saying Mary? Yeah, yeah the darian lakes you know <laughs> the darian lakes <laughs> they're just fishing in those waters but you know, nothing wrong about casting your line around oh, some bottoms. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Fisher right, cut man. bait, Mary. You yeah, know what I'm right, saying? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's like shooting fish in a barrel, you know? But, uh... <laughs> yeah, all you have to do is, you know, skip and you'll hit a bottom or two. Yeah, York, right? You know? Aim and fire. Mm. <laughs> but, yes, uh, I, I do think that, that Darian certainly... Uh, I think the entire season... it. I mean, I, I said this last week. I really feel like if if Trinity was safe last week, she would have clearly beat Darian for top four. Because mm. I mean, you know, it, well, and it's interesting. We really see it continue this week that like Darian and Adore. I mean, it, it's just kind of like girls, like pull it together. Like we are late in the season. Like clean up your act, you know. And and you know, I mean, not to jump ahead, but like uh, I guess we can jump ahead. You know. I think that when Darian gets handed the challenge of doing the gothy wedding, we even see it when kind of RuPaul comes to visit later. It's like, uh, okay, I guess. Like, oh, I don't know if you're going to do well. Um, which is strange to me that that Darian is kind of getting set up to fail in that way because it's like, well, what's wrong with going against tradition? 
You know, like this is what they wanted. Right, and that's exactly what they wanted. Yeah, it was yeah. weird that RuPaul. It seemed very constructed and written that RuPaul had to kind of doubt that because it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Like, do something. Like, what are great what standards are we prescribing to here? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, I think that was it, it. Was it was interesting, and actually, that came up in the Untucked, where I think someone was questioning Courtney's bride about like, well, I don't know if it's fashion. And he was like, well, like who do I got to answer to? Like, if this is what we wanted, you know, then who the fuck cares? And it was just, it was interesting. And it was, you know, I was, I was, again, I was so pleasantly surprised by the untucked because there was that perspective of like, well, who's to say what, like what a bride should look like. You know what I mean? I mean, certainly these are a bunch of straight men in drag. These are these are not what we think a bride should look like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I actually really was excited about the fact that Darian's was going to be different and was not yeah. going to be the standard white white wedding, you know? Yeah. No, I thought that was cool. But yeah. back to Jocelyn, Brandon, he becomes my favorite character. Really? Um, because I feel like he's going to have the most – Journey, the, the the largest journey, or he's yeah. the one now that I think about. Who is he now? Yeah. Um, or what happened to him after? Right, because there was a lot of question of like whatever. He's a basketball player, and I loved his quote when he was like, "Well, I don't know about body." Like for some reason, the makeup didn't phase him, but having hips did. Like I just thought yeah. that was so interesting. I was like, "Well, I, don't, <laughs> I mean, like it's like well, you wouldn't put on a fat suit, but." Uh, you would like put on the makeup like I, right. it was weird to me it was weird he like oh I'll wear the wig but not the, not the hips not like, hips yeah yeah <laughs> well and it was so you know it was so interesting because he was so concerned about his teammates like seeing this and it was like well how are they going to see it unless they watch the show and right open into watching the show well I, mean, I right but I also think that in terms of pride for his wife mm-hmm. he's like this is what I did for her you know but you're right you're absolutely right like they could also not ever fucking find out. Right, totally. It's so niche. I mean, I, I know so many people who have not seen an episode of the show yeah, know nothing right. about it, you know? Right. But um, at the same time, if we're hoping for activism and we're hoping for change, I would hope that this man, Brandon, would be like, yeah, I was on this show and I met all these gay people and they dressed me in women's clothing and I married my wife on TV. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, fuck right. you. Yeah. And we'll, yeah, and send we'll the pictures real- around. Send the pictures around, right? There's only one reaction to have. And that's yeah. like, yep, do it, laugh it up, peace, you know? Yeah, and, and what we really see in The Untucked, which I, I really appreciated, was that, you know, when Jocelyn recognizes, she's like, she, Jocelyn says to Brendan, she says, you know, you were such a good sport about this, and you understood how much this meant to me. And, like, mm. you just, you, you were willing to go on, on this journey with me and do this with me. And I think that, you know, it's, I, I don't know, it, it, it's just, it, it's interesting that just there was something about that that just was really interesting about Brandon was like okay if this is if this is what you know cuz i don't understand why Brandon was on this episode if he was if if the narrative was real that he was uncomfortable with this and if he was as uncomfortable as they're demonstrating on the episode then what the fuck were you doing there you know then why were you there you know was it just for your wife like i don't understand cuz we don't really see yeah. much of his wife so we don't really right. know what the meaning is but if it's true that he's so uncomfortable at the same time, like he, he acknowledges. He says this in in the Untucked. Like I, he sees how much work this is, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, I mean, I, not that I want to embrace these kind of, you know, these norms, but I think there is something. If if we're going to connect with people, we have to recognize what's important to them, and I think there is this 
masculine, straight, heteronormative quality of appreciating hard work. You know what I mean? And appreciating workmanship. And drag is hard work. And I, I think there was this narrative of Brandon recognizing how much work this is to do drag and being able to connect and appreciate because of like, wow, this is really hard to do all of this. Like you have to put in a lot of effort. And I, I, that, I don't know, there was something I loved about that, that like, if, if anything, as much as people question, you know, quote unquote, the masculinity of someone who does drag, it's like, but the reality is, this is such hard work to do drag. Like it takes balls and guts to do drag. It is so hard. And I, I, I liked seeing a straight man appreciate that, you know? And I really, I liked seeing that being part of, of Brandon's narrative in this episode, you know? Sure, yeah. So anyway, so Bendela gets paired with Kevin, who has a beard, and... Right. Whose who's wife has never seen him without a beard. Yes, yes. And uh, Damon is wants to go goth. He's with Darian. Mm-hmm. It was his idea to come on, and Steve is with Courtney. He's the army oh. guy. He's super manly and tall. Yeah, he looks like a leather daddy porn star. I was like, have I seen you before? <laughs> yeah, have yeah. I seen you? Are you – What? have oh. I seen you in a harness somewhere, like oh tearing oh up God. someone's ass? Who are you? Uh, um, right? <laughs> and then uh, a door gets paired with the most obnoxious one, uh, the blackjack oh. dealer, Ryan, who looks like the billiards trick shot guy I was telling you about, Andy Siegel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. Um, yeah, yeah, and he's like the most outspoken, and you know, starts. Uh, what is he? He like has an argument with Courtney or whatever. Oh yeah. There was the honey mahogany Courtney. dress, and then the honey mahog body. And... Right. Oh, and and you know, I had a note about that. You know, I uh, honey mahogany. I... Listen, she didn't have a great run on the show. I like <laughs> Honey Mahogany. Me I too. She's a beautiful queen. She's actually very talented. She's a beautiful singer. Uh, and I love – I mean she's the only San Francisco queen that we've really had on the show to like represent kind of that interpretation of drag or that culture of drag. And it mm. it's a shame that she gets kind of a punchline, you know, <laughs> reference. I like Honey Mahogany. I think she's great. I, I You know, I was like, leave Honey alone. Um. <laughs> there, there's an element of them kind of setting Courtney up to fail because she doesn't really do draggy makeup and she doesn't make clothes though you know I had never really you know because Ben has that talking head about all she does is wear like you know chapstick and mascara but just is that I mean that I think of that more as like Derek Barry before he learned how to block his brows but like I feel like Courtney does make. Did he learn? Did he learn? Sorry. I mean, I, I not certainly not on the season. I think after the <laughs> fact, somebody helped a bitch out. But like, uh. I when I think of Courtney, I mean, again, I go back to that black and white look because it was so graphic and it was so intelligent and like referential and and you know it it wasn't the type of, you know because it wasn't the type of drag that she was normally doing and I think. You know, again, I, you know, I, I've said multiple times that, like, I'm watching this season, I'm watching Courtney, I'm watching Jocelyn, and I I just don't, I just think Courtney, she does do drag makeup. Like, she is able to do that kind of transformation, and, and certainly she does kind of stick to the beautiful blonde look, but I just go back to that black and white look as just this incredible exception that told me Courtney is capable of doing beyond just that look, you know? 
and and to transform. Yeah, into more. I still really haven't seen a highbrow from her. I haven't seen really strong makeup because she is just resting on her the feminine features that she has in her face. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I mean I don't know. I haven't seen. I haven't seen full Ursula drag from Courtney, and I don't think she could pull that off. I'd love to see it. Oh, God. I'd love to see her do, yeah, as you say, full Ursula. I'd love to see her go fully milk. You know what I mean? Like, just, Mm. like, embracing the art of drag as, like, art on your body, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That would be great to see. But I I do think that she does a, a, a really fabulous illusion and it it just was surprising to me here to kind of hear her read for just like not doing very much because um, i i i get it she does very pretty beautiful drag but i guess at the same time it is so put together and it is so flawless in ways and i just all i can think about is the scream queens episode when she came out in that dress you know that like that gown that australia gown oh yeah right. and i just think well i mean i get it it wasn't like high drag but god was that fabulous you know that was that was certainly fish yeah yeah i mean she really she was doing something so it's just it's it's interesting the way she gets read and you know what we'll see in the next episode she really does divert from her usual courtney stuff in the next episode so it'll be it'll be nice to kind of revisit that i haven't watched that episode since So we've covered a lot of the notes that I have pre-runway, but the one thing as we're talking about Courtney, the you know the one thing I kind of wanted to call out was you know Brandon as they're kind of getting ready. Oh know, sure, he was yeah. talking. About, I wrote this down too about yeah. the locker room and, right. and his concerns and and what I what I loved. I mean this this to me was because I think that a lot of Courtney in the same way Darian, they were edited certain ways. Like Courtney, I think, was edited to be shadier than she was, but it was really just dry Australian humor, you know? Yeah, yep. And and so I love the moments, and we see them more in Untucked than we do in the main episodes right. of the real Courtney. Like the intelligent, yeah. gender-bending, you know, like... like Thoughtful queen. Thoughtful queen. I, I, I go back to like, you know, we've said this before. She's not, she's very intelligent. Like she has a yeah. really intelligent perspective. And what I, what I really liked was her questioning Brandon and saying like, you know, do you want, like when you, when you talk about, you know, another gay person in the locker room, is it that you want the gay person in the locker room to feel comfortable being open? Or do you want them to like warn you that you're gay, that they're gay so that you can be uncomfortable? Because I don't quite understand the logic here. That I don't get behind. Right. Yeah. And I, I love that. I really think that, that, that was a, in terms of the, the message that I think RuPaul Mm -hmm. was creating an opportunity to be shared in this episode. Courtney, especially for Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. Courtney really questioned, I think, what is such a common fear that we hear about is like it's all about this fucking locker room. I mean that, that became a political point, you know, in the election sure, this year. Sure, of- where men need, where men can be men, right? It's just like those. It's the last all male space, right? Yeah. Because there used to be men's clubs and and men's restaurants and where women weren't allowed, and the locker room is the last place where men can still be fucking filthy and offensive yeah. and misogynist and oppressive. Right. And and there unfortunately there are gay men in those locker rooms. Yeah. And gay and straight men are like, Yeah, we want to know who they are. 
We want right. to know right. so that we don't – that we can you know, sense ourselves around them and we can keep our towel on too long around them. You yep. Know? yep. Yeah. It's it really – I mean it's, it's such an interesting – she was really calling him out. It's like – what is it? Yeah, she was want? calling him out, right? Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, you know, I love the word she said. She said, "If your intent is, yeah, right, yeah, that's the word she used." And I think that by using that word, she's not attacking him, and by making yes. it a question, right? Mm-hmm. It's like if your intent is, because I hear what you're saying, but right, it's about intention, right? Like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, you want you want everybody to know, but it's like, okay, you want everybody to know, and what's that intention? Why do you want it to know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, this goes back to, we've talked about this in the past, like the adults in the room, you know, mm. when, when there were the Lagangas and the Gias, I was grateful for the Biancas and the Darians and the Courtney's who were the adults in the room. This was such right. an adult perspective of like, yeah. what is it you really want here? Like, what's your goal here? You know, and, and it, 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 is it, do you want gay, the gays in the room to feel comfortable or do you want to make sure you know so you can feel appropriately uncomfortable? It, right. It really, uh, I, I and, really appreciate and that. I think the, the answer to the question was clear to me. He, it was certainly the latter. Like he mm-hmm. certainly wanted to know because he, he said he's like, I don't want people checking me out. Yeah. It's yeah. like okay, don't flatter yourself, bitch. Right. Right. I mean, that's such a that. Uh, I, Granted, I, think... I know gay men will check each other out, but I'm sorry, straight men do too. Absolutely right. I mean, straight men look to see how big it is. Yup. Shut, shut the fuck up. Yup. Straight shut men. Shut the fuck up. They're sizing <laughs> each other up just as much, and and you know, equally, I'll, you know, I'll I'll venture to say that there's a lot of gay men, and maybe I'm speaking more from my experience, that won't check anybody out because we don't want to risk yes. anything. Dan you know? Savage says this too. Dan mm-hmm. Savage is like, when I am in the locker room, I don't talk to anybody and yep. I don't look at anybody. Yeah. Because I do not, as a gay man, I do not want anybody to know yeah. that, that or I don't want it to be construed that I am. So if anything, I'm even more careful yeah. than I should be. And and actually than I want to be, right? It's like, yeah, of course I want to be able to look around and see who's around, right? But the way to find out who's gay in a locker room is who isn't looking. Yeah. To be perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah, who's the most who looks the most uncomfortable? Yep. Yep. Who are the gay men? Yeah, who's policing themselves enough to make sure that nobody feels threatened? Like I'm going to take that responsibility on. Like it, it really, it, it was just an interesting. I mean, that's the truth of it. I think somebody like Brandon, it doesn't, it doesn't occur to him that it's like actually, you know, and maybe some of this is just kind of like from upbringing. I don't want to get, I don't want to put myself in a threatening situation, so I'm not going to fucking look, you know. And right. and there's an element of like maybe maybe I'm being hypervigilant in a way that it's like, you know, I could be checking some guy out and he wouldn't even notice because he's not paying any attention to me. But, like, I don't want to run that risk, you know? Yeah. I don't want to run that yeah. risk. So I thought that was very... Or, uh, you know, maybe you do. Oh, maybe. Oh, well, girl, <laughs> I have run the risk a few times and it's been worth it. And sometimes not, but sometimes it has. Um, yeah, it's, you know, sometimes the view is worth the time, but, uh, you know, otherwise... I got Tumblr on my phone. I can get a better view from there. Uh, and that's the tea, ladies and gentlemen. And that that's is the tea. tea. Like, if I really <laughs> wanted to see a hot dick, like, girl, I got yeah, Google Mary. are you kidding me? I've seen better ones, harder ones. Right? I've seen – I don't need to see your shriveled, you know, post, post-workout post dick. I've got – Yeah, I, with, yeah. With, with 70s style bush, you know? Right, right? Yeah. Yeah, I got a, I got a whole – I got a whole rack of stuff. I got a whole rack of stuff. 
a whole bookmark. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. I got a whole bookmark of stuff. I don't it's need a bookmark in within a bookmark within a bookmark within a bookmark. Bookmark. Yes, it's it's buried deep and deep and deep. But like, girl, oh, it goes deep, girl. It, it goes. Oh, it goes deep. deep. It goes <laughs> balls deep, Mary. So. <laughs> Yes, that is the other side of it. Is like I'm not hungry for the view of a dick, Mary. Like Sorry. I can, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like yeah. this is not, you know, beggars are not being choosers here. Yeah. I'm no beggar. So uh, <laughs> anyway, um, before we get to the runway, I did want to just call it because this is really it, it's a classic oh, moment. Oh, can I just say one quote? One quote. Thank you, Darian. Thank oh. You, Darian. Yes. Quoting Carrie. Yes. 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 Stay home with me and pray. (laughs) They're all going to laugh at you. I, my heart swelled for Darian in that moment. I, Darian, I, I just appreciated someone making that reference. I just. Yeah. Mother. Yeah. 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 Carrie White's mother. I just, I, I love Darian because she has that campy quality and that, that campy referential quality that I love about a drag queen. Like I want a queen who can make that kind of reference, you know? Um, Yes, I had that note, and I also really appreciated, because this is a a sort of a a season six iconic moment, is that Bianca refers to Jocelyn's bride as that one girl gremlin. Yes, (laughs) and it is so. Don't throw water on that gremlin because she will. He will multiply. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's a little problematic as a term. If you can, if you can go there with me, it's a little problematic. I mean, in terms of the makeup itself and the look, I was like, yes. it really does kind of look like the one girl gremlin. But <laughs> but some of it might just be Brandon. I know, I know. But it just it, it's kind of like a quotable thing. When I think of this episode, <laughs> I think of Brandon looking like the one girl gremlin. Um, so let's jump to the who runway. Appear, who, by the way, does appear in a, in a bridal gown. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. right, 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 right. So it really is a very appropriate reference. Um, so let's jump to the runway. You know, Rue looks great. She's a sparkly wonder. Always. She, yeah, her show. always. Right? It's her show. Yeah. In case you forgot, it's her show. I wanted to comment on this, and I hadn't thought about this until I watched it recently. Obviously, the guest hosts are Neil Patrick Harris and his husband, David Burtka. Am I the only gay man that does not like Neil Patrick Harris? I'm sorry for those that do, but like, if we want to talk about Bland Sponge, I'm just like over him. I just, Mm -hmm. I'm over him. I didn't like, or excuse me, I didn't want to see him in Hedwig. I'm just like, are you kidding me? I just, he hosts the Tonys. I'm just like over him. I'm sorry. Well, no, I, I corroborate in that I feel like these are, and I wrote this in all caps, mainstream gays. Mm. These are the kind of gays that America's ready for. We want a couple of clean, relatively yeah. straight-acting right. white gay men. Right, which is why Dan Savage also works, right? Because mm-hmm. Dan Savage is white and ca- grew up Catholic and kind of can do it. I mean, he's very radical, but he – most of his listeners – I don't know if you know this. Mm. Most of his listeners are straight. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess that makes sense to me because there's just like – okay, I'm ready for this type of gay man. Like, I think about, you know, I think about Will and Grace in the 90s. Oh, my God, of course. You know? And it's like, well, you know, Will... Not only did a straight man play a gay man on that, and not only was it called Will and Grace, but not Will and Jack, Mm -hmm. but it was, you know, and and kind of the tension was like, are they going to get together? But you you had the iconic, stereotypical gay that was 
unsexed, right? Yep. He basically was sexless, mm-hmm. uh, just like Tim Gunn is, right? We're okay with Tim Gunn and knowing that he's gay because we can't think about him having sex. Right, right. Just like and, Jack. Yeah, oh yeah, Jack was just, Jack was really a throwback to like, you know, I mean, what I think of when I think of Jack, I think of, um, you know, in the 70s, like, you know, the, the inspiration for Snatch Game, I think of Match Game and Hollywood Squares and Paul Lind, and I mm-hmm. just think of that, like, the minstrel gay man, you know? Yeah. Like, this is something that we've gotten comfortable with. And, of course, right. you know, Will being, you know, played by a straight man and really being an inoffensive performance of uh, of homosexuality you know in that it wasn't too sexual and it was uh not too in your face and it wasn't too flamboyant and then jack being super flamboyant was just this cartoon character and and it's and i just i thought it really that you know neil patrick harris and his husband really bring me back to that of like these are the kind of this is this is what maybe maybe not so much in 2017 but certainly like i i think that we're I do think we're growing out of oh, it slightly. Very, think, very much so. And I and I actually, to be honest with you, what I think, what I accredit that to is really the the exposure of um, transgender people in, in the media, I think has mm. really it kind of pushed the, the envelope in terms of uh, performance of sexuality that we see in the media. But I right. think before that, I, I really think that, that Neil Patrick Harris was like, oh, this is a gay person that I can feel comfortable with, you know? Sure, sure. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, completely, completely. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to say, like, we're knocking Will and Grace. There, there's beloved characters on that show, and mm-hmm. that show is absolutely important for gay at visibility. Mm-hmm. It's, at the time. It's just we also have to recognize what it what it was also promoting and and this idea that gay men are handbags for women, right? That, yep. they're, that they are accessories. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's what's problematic. We're not saying that it's a bad show or whatever it's just you know we can also think deeply about things right, right. It, it's certainly it it's aged at this point in the same way that i feel that queer as folk is a very antiquated view of gay society and gay culture right you know right. and and i think that it's, i mean i never really saw the british version but the american version i think is is profoundly problematic but that's a whole other conversation mm. um <laughs> i guess it is yeah So uh, I have to say these runways did not really leave a significant impact. Uh, my takeaways were the following. I felt that Bianca did a really good job of creating a, a drag daughter in her kind of aesthetic and, you know, made a nice dress and, you know, boat neck dress, whatever. Um, I thought Ben's crying was really funny. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I appreciated Ben bringing that performative element. And I felt like Adora's bride looked like she was made out of Play-Doh. Like, I just kept, right? And like, Adora's bride looked like Adora, which I thought was great. I mean, she, it was clearly Adora's daughter. And yeah, it was a mess. It was right? a mess. I mean, Michelle yeah. was saying, like, oh, I don't see the family resemblance. I was like, I do. What? Yeah, I that do. was crazy. But that she was... she looked like Mrs. Potato Head. I mean, there was just this <laughs> weird cartoon quality to it, to Honey Bun Delano. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. But but I guess it kind of it, it it didn't it didn't not work. I mean, I you know honestly, it didn't work for me in the episode. But then when I heard them talking about it in the untucked and being like, "Yeah, well, this is what I want to look like for my wedding." Right. Like, sorry if it's not polished. Like, it's kind of been a Doors argument her entire season. Is like, well, I'm not polished. That's yeah. not what I do. That's her drag. Yeah, and I. That makes- 
It makes I get sense. It. it also comes off as it does come off as lazy or um, as an excuse. Right. It's yes. like, well, oh. can you do it? Because there's there's one thing to say, like, oh, I'm a modern artist. And so I'm just going to paint this canvas red. But like right. you can't paint a tree. Right. Like, sh- you, you can at least show that it is a choice. Right. And not happenstance. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, while you're here at the Olympics, could you could you just give us that just to make sure yeah, we yeah. know that you can do more? Yeah. Right. Um, but for me, for me, the runway wasn't about these looks. The, it no. was about the vows. Which you know, I don't. I still don't know if they were written for them or written on cue cards. I, it doesn't matter. I thought the vows were great, uh, you know, for what they were and for those moments. Clearly, the best one were the goth people um, when they were just quoting Drag Race uh, with every rhyming couplet. Yeah. Well, you know, I appreciated they were clearly super fans of the show, and that was very oh, yeah. cute. And right, what right, I also right. liked about it, where was my people they, at? So. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and they weren't taking it all too seriously, which I appreciated because it was like let's like. You know, yeah. To, don't to, take it seriously. Yeah, yeah exactly. to go back We're getting to, married on a drag show. Yeah, yeah. To quote Thorgy, like drag is fun. Like we should be having fun with this. Like, and I appreciated that they were having a really good time. And to his credit, to both Darian and the and the the bride's credit, God, what a transformation! He looked beautiful. Oh my God, I was I was really. Im- I mean, Darian can beat a fucking face, and boy, yeah. did she she. I, her look itself, Darian's look, a hot mess. I mean, mm. I was like, what, you know, like, what hot topic Christmas party did you attend in 1997 in this look? Shit. I'm, Shit. Just, I'm just going to mess. All right, Mary. Mary. Right, Mary. But, uh, but the bride looked fabulous. The vows are very sweet when, or, and whatnot, like, in terms of, like, the message of the show and seeing this happen. I did feel like my problem with it is, like, I'm not here to see, like there was it was too much about the guests like I'm here for the queens and I'm at top six yeah, I'm I so invested saying. I see what you're you saying. know I see what you're saying I see you what know? you're saying I thought I, I I think I think the act was so badass and so punk the act of showing you know six weddings where the man was in drag and the woman was in drag I I thought that was cool and important in itself Mm -hmm. and i know it's like oh it's too much guest but i think if we're thinking about the magnanimity of the idea i think it was important to show i get it i get it i think it's it depends on the lens in which you're watching the episode if you're watching it from that activist point of view then yes if you're watching it i am mary well you are you're always you always got your activist you know lenses on but if if i if i were to watch it from just like I'm down in the top six. I want to see what my girls are doing. I'm like, oh, God, like, get no, these. Sh- yeah, it's not what this episode's about, clearly, yeah, right? Yeah. No. Well, and I just think that, that it was a um, – it's a tricky thing to kind of try to do when you get to the top six because, like, you're so invested at this point. You're like, wait a minute. Now these queens that I've been following are, like, you know, back – you know, they're they're in the background and it's all about these guests. It's like, oh, this is a shift that I, I didn't really sign on for, you know? <sighs> Yeah, I and hear you. I, I hear you. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's a reason why – it is a reason why the episode kind of falls flat. As a TV as as a TV show. As a TV show, as season six, it falls flat. This as, little TV show. Sorry. This little TV show that RuPaul <laughs> created. Uh, but as a, as a message, as a platform, obviously, yes. Like, they went full throttle with it. So – and right. I, I can I can appreciate that, and I don't need to knock it because I recognize, like, the effort. Right. Um, so when we get to the critiques, you know, 
This was a weird moment for me, you know, when when Brandon is kind of worrying about his, as he says, his manlyhood being questioned, and and then everybody just kind of laughs at him, and and Michelle's oh, like, oh. I totally, I totally get it. Yeah, I was kind of like, whoa, whoa, not what to do. No, not and Michelle's like, do. oh yeah, that's coming. It's like, oh, I, I, I think you're not getting it. Like, he's very vulnerable right now. Right, and, right, and when, I get, I get the, I get the point of like. They're laughing because it's like the flip is script, or excuse me, the script is flipped, <laughs> and all the, the flip is script. The Mary. flip is script, um, Mary. <laughs> and all of a sudden, right, it's like, see how hard it is to be gay. See how hard it is to be a woman. See how hard it is. It's just almost. But to me, it's almost, it's almost kind of vicious. Like, see, we told you. Now yeah. you get to suffer. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's bring them into empathy. Yeah. And then be there for them. The, the real to me because it is empathy right he is now yeah. in women's shoes he yeah. is now with these gay men and thinking like gay men right it's yeah. great and then they laughed at him it was right. it was not to me it was opposite of where the episode was supposed to go anyway yeah i mean one of the integral qualities to transformation is compassion you know right. and if you have the opportunity to express compassion versus ridicule which is what this what this judges panel had i mean there's so much power in that but the real power is not in the told you so the real power is i hear you i understand and i empathize and i have compassion that's power and i i just i, I it right. was the it was the wrong note because like you don't you don't teach anybody by shaming them. Nobody learns yeah. from shame, you know? What you learn is the wrong message. But if you're if you're brought to that vulnerable point and then you're offered compassion, that's chan that's transformation. That's change. I mean, my hope is that they edited it and that they did say something different after they laughed because mm -hmm. The laughter was like, oh my God, yeah, of course it's gonna be hard. Are you kidding me? Sure. But they but but at the end of the day, they didn't edit they did edit that out and we didn't get to see that. And if you're gonna make a point, then then make the point. You know, right. and, and this was right. a little bit off. And I mean, granted, we saw the points throughout the episode. We saw the points in Untucked. It just would have been nice that instead of meeting him with laughter, that it was met with, Yeah, it's gonna suck. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, I mean, it, it just, it was an opportunity that I felt was missed. And of course, then Brandon, you know, goes off stage to throw up. Vomits, RuPaul, yep. <laughs> RuPaul is given the opportunity to say, we got a runaway bride, you know. Right, 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 uh, right. She, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was like one more <laughs> pun. not she, having it. Yeah. She, yeah, she could shoehorn in there. Um, <laughs> so it was, you know, it was just, it was an interesting moment. Um I, you know, I, I, I felt for Brandon in that moment. Whatever the reasoning may be, I felt for him in that, like, Ooh, like this this was a little bit overwhelming and i i think uh yeah it was just a weird moment but you know moving down the line you know i i, I one of the notes that i took was you know in, in bianca's critiques from santino he says you know i i would have liked to see a train and and bianca says you know listen like he was he was battling shoes and eyelashes and balls in his ass did i really want to give him a train to and you know, it made me think that Bianca, because a lot of times, you know, I think of like Robbie Turner. You know, I don't know if I mentioned in – did I mention in the last episode of All Right, Mary that I'd been watching season eight? I don't know if I – Yes, yes. Did I, I think that – I, um, I think I mentioned it once. Was it, was it season seven? I thought it was season no, seven. No, it was season eight. I was watching season eight. I've been binge watching it. Did I Did I mention that at all? No. Oh, Oh, no. oh cool. well, I, it bears That's repeating. Awesome. It bears repeating that I was watching it season eight. It bears repeating. It bears repeating that, you know, I think of – 
you know, Robbie Turner. She was she was good Turn for giving turned her, excuse me. She was good for giving an excuse for why she didn't, you know, do something or why she did do like something. Magnolia Crawford, yeah. Yeah, and I never bought it, but uh you know, Bianca is one of the few queens where she'll give an excuse or an explanation for why she did or didn't do something, and I buy it. I'm like, yep, no, I get it. Sure. No problem. I don't know, like, because she's like, listen, like, this guy's in heels. He's got lashes on. He's got his balls between his Yeah, but you know what? Like, I still would have responded with, okay, those are good excuses. Mm. I still would have called a spade a spade. And yeah. they were kind of like, ah, and done. Right, right. Well, it, it and it just goes to really show that, like Bianca, like, I mean, she, at this point in the season, she's got it in the fucking bag. I mean, she wins this challenge, and fair and square, but she wins this challenge. I mean, she's got it in the fucking bag, and I kind of feel like, in a way, part of part of the win is being able to like aptly explain how and why you did something. Like, she just, I don't know. I I just uh, I was impressed with how. It was almost like a politician. I was just like, all right, I'll buy it. I'll buy what you're selling. Sure. Yeah, he was struggling. Okay. But it was an excuse. Of course it was. Um, but I buy I buy what Bianca's saying. Um, um, anything else for these queens? Or should we talk about the elephant in the room? Oh, uh, yeah. Let's, let's, uh, let's get that trunk flying. What's the elephant in the room? The lip sync. The lip sync, yes. Well, of course, as we know, Bianca wins and Jocelyn and Adore are lip syncing. Oh, sure. Yes. <clears throat> so so share with me. What are your thoughts on the lip sync? So I thought they both did poorly. Mm. Um, I thought the song was bigger than both of them. Mm. And uh, I was completely unimpressed. Wow. Really? Okay. All right. I um I felt that Adore hustled in this lip sync. I she that... certainly did. She tap danced as fast as she could. She yep. took off her heels. She took off her earrings. She was charming. Her wig fell off and she kind of winked about it. Yeah. She jumped from her knees to her feet. She was doing things. Sure. She looked a mess. She looked yeah. frantic. She was certainly, you know, lip syncing the song very passionately and talking to the judges and in a way uh mm-hmm. which was fine but it didn't to me it, it it i didn't feel like she was lip syncing well i didn't think that that she was finding the character of the song i think she was just mm. still a door and it was so different than vibology where it was stylized and there was a sense of um confidence and there was uh, something that was just very put together about it. Mm. Whereas, you know, you look at a door and it, in this one and it just didn't seem like that. And then you look over at, at Jocelyn, you're like, okay, well, I better look back at a door. Yeah, no, Jocelyn, I mean, she wasn't winning that lip sync. That's fair. You know, I, 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 I gave a door credit for the hustle that she brought, but oh, would you not have lived for a Latrice and Dita Ritz on this? You know what I'm saying? Like, we got it in season four. Their lip sync was amazing. Oh, amazing. Oh, but, you know, and oh. I felt like Adore was giving us a bit of Dita at moments, but not not Dita. I mean, I mean she, my was, she eyes, was... My eyes are very wide right now. I hope some other listeners have and wide eyes she was well. giving an accent of she was she was all over the stage she was trying to fill the room but she was not like let let's get it clear here okay thank you this was no this will be mary i just actually re- <laughs> i rewatched that episode 
And there was no handkerchief hunting. It, there was, it was no, no I was me and Natalie Cole were not waving our handkerchiefs from the judges' table. Let's be clear. But <laughs> it, I think you make a really good point. The song was bigger than the performers. That's a yeah. great way to put it. And I guess to be fair, I mean, I don't want to racialize this, but I I want to see I want to see two black queens who know how to channel this the way Latrice and Dita channeled their lip sync in season four do this song. I do think that there are white queens that could channel it. I, I agree. With, I, I hear what you're saying. and I But I do think that there are white queens that can do it. I don't think that these two queens, because A, they're young, B, they're frantic, and C, they're mm-hmm. just not that great at lip syncing and finding a character because they don't really know their own characters is why they can't mm. find this song. So while I hear your point of uh, I, I would like to see black queens do it, sure, there are black queens that I don't think could do it. I don't think LaShawn Beyond would have done this very well. No, no. no but I, I do feel like that what, what I think about when I say that, what I think about is what Latrice was talking about in that lip sync against Dita, where right. she's like, you got to know where this is coming from. You yeah, gotta know. I get it. And I get that because there's there's, there's so much, for lack, I mean, the only word is soul. There's so much soul in this kind of song and in what, and in what is being expressed. You know, and, and I, I, I will say this. Well, that song, that song, Aretha Franklin wrote that song in response to the civil rights movement, right? Mm, yeah. That was mm-hmm. what the song was. That and respect. Right. And right. if we're going to talk about where that song's coming from, this song is really great for this episode because of 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 what RuPaul is preaching about love, that love mm-hmm. is love and love is everywhere. And that it doesn't matter who you are, what you look like and who you choose to love, that it, mm-hmm. that that is fine, that you are you. Yeah, of course. I think the message was great. And I, I, I then I just I keep thinking about Chi Chi Devane doing and I'm telling you versus Thorgy and I just think what she was channeling and I'm not saying it's only yeah. because she was black but what what she was connecting with what I was seeing and that being said because I don't want to make this all about race is there is a clip on YouTube of Kim Chi doing and I'm telling you uh, at you know at a club somewhere and uh, I think I sent it to you months ago and it is fucking fabulous it's fabulous it is so it, like I can't recommend this enough to our listeners. Is And I'll post it on our Twitter because as our fans may know, we do now have a Twitter. We do now have seven followers. You can find us at allrightmary.com. You know, okay. And all I right. feel incredible. And I feel incredible. <laughs> so you can find us at allrightmary on Twitter. And I will post this clip of Kim Chi doing And I'm Telling You. And she owns the shit out of it. Um, but that's what it's about. It's like, I want you to dig into this and understand the context. What's the story? What's the, what's the mythology behind it? You know what I'm saying? And I, and I think that, you know, we, we weren't seeing either of these Queens challenge channel that, um, you know, I mean, it would have been great if they just stood there and Mm. sung the text, right? Lip sung the Mm. text, right? And really went there and it was just this strong point and, and kind of, stand and deliver type of song but obviously there's a beat to it you know you're kind of dancing down yeah. right? yeah. and you're kind of going there with like you know the hand rolls and everything mm-hmm. I get all that but that is expected and I yeah. feel like the more matured lip syncer that is confidence is going to try something different anyway Yeah. you know what that makes I, me think of I people can't might not agree of... with me and that's okay 
Oh, no. I mean, I, I love that these are open for interpretation. Um, what it would also reminds me of, and to your point right now, now about like the mature way of, of embracing the lip sync is the, the top four lip sync from All Stars 2. I can't remember. I'm I'm blanking on who, but it was like a very. So I think it was Patty Labelle, wasn't it? Um, it was a uh, soulful stand there and get your life kind of song. And and, uh, and oh, what is it? Look it up while we're while I'm while I'm filling sure. the air. Yeah, but that who was, was the, who were the lip syncers? It well, it was you know it was Detox and Katya and Alaska and Roxy. Oh um, right, but that was something. Where yeah, it was to... Gladys Knight. If Gladys I were your Knight. woman, if I yes, I mean that uh. was one where you really again. Oh, I would have lived to see Latrice do that because it just that's a queen who can like tap into that, you know. Um, and I again, I when we talked about that, you know, episodes ago, I always loved the way Detox did that lip sync. Um, I always felt that for some reason, someone who I never really felt was a really strong lip syncer, uh, she for some reason found the maturity and found the emotion in that song um that just like gave me what i wanted you know and i i think i and i think the reason why like i think about these two queens you know jocelyn and adore doing this lip sync and i think of them uh, this song is kind of in the canon of that right and i just think there's there's a, it comes down to maturity i think it comes down to age and maturity and being able to understand context and understand as Latrice says where the song comes from and thus how you perform it you know there yes and being able to connect not only with a character but your own so. yeah yeah so I mean at the end of the day though the reality of the situation is that like Adore won the lip sync fair and square you know based yeah. on on what those two queens did yeah and you know at, womp, womp. Want Want, my my sweet little Jocelyn, who I've been watching all season, made it all the way to top six, <laughs> goes home. I I have so enjoyed rewatching Jocelyn. I the notes that I have, you know, I want to say this that that in the Untucked we see sort of an extended version of her leaving, and one of the things she said is, "I had no idea I would make it this far," and I was like, "Exactly, exactly. <laughs> this is why I love this is that I didn't think you'd ever get this far, and I love that." Uh, and I thought that Jocelyn left. I mean, her makeup looked great. In this, I mean, she left looking great. And I think that she may have not been. She may not be my favorite queen. She may not be the most exciting queen. But I'm incredibly charmed by Jocelyn. You know, mm. I, I as a as a person, I think she's very. She comes off very sweet and very kind and with a very good heart. And in that respect, I have nothing negative to say about her. All right, Mary. So I, I send her off, you know, with glad tidings, and I hope she's doing well. Well, she's married now because she got married on the reunion. So Married, William. Wah, married, wah. William. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day. That I think we, were, we talked about this in a past episode. If we ever did <laughs> an Under the Tuscan Sun podcast, it would be called Married, William. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mary and married uh, William. Married, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. And that, of All course, right. is drag my wedding. That's uh, right, please, yeah. <laughs> drag and, my wedding, I'm, please. Drag my wedding. Uh, I am. Um, I am relieved to be out of this dip. I'm excited to get to the next episode because, of course, it's the uh, the ball. I don't know the ball. Yeah, the ball, and it's a it's a doors 
finally a redemption. Oh, oh yeah, glitter ball, glitter ball, the glitter ball. So, all right. Well, well, uh, you know, if you want to contact us and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any episode, or you know, if you want to just like totally disagree about this lip sync um or if you want to talk about the velvet rage or whatever uh you can email us at all right mary podcast at gmail.com or follow us on twitter at all right mary yes i it bears repeating that yes we are fresh and onto twitter we've got seven followers and welcome more uh and we are now we are now connected with our sister podcast squirrel friends uh, oh, on twitter yeah. hey squirrel friends uh hey, we, if, squirrel you, friends. if you're listening i i'm I, I had been meaning to reach out to squirrel friends for a while and i there was actually one of our followers who kind of like connected us and was very kind i believe it was oh god i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher it, it was like elkstra magazine i believe who uh gave us a shout out with Squirrel Friends as two of the best Rue casts on the web right now, which is honestly such an honor. So sweet. Uh, thank you for that. And so, uh, yeah, we will definitely be posting some of the things we've talked about in this episode today, including that kimchi lip sync I talked about. So uh, certainly, all right, Mary, at All Right Mary on Twitter. And that being said, not only could you reach out to us via email or Twitter, you could also leave us a comment or and or a rating, preferably and, on iTunes and subscribe to us to make sure that you do not miss an episode every week because uh, that's how often we post. And, uh, yeah, let us know you're out there. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. Let us know that you are out there and that you're listening and help let other people know uh, to check out All Right Mary because that's the goal is to share our, you know, our humble opinions on this fabulous TV show with other people. So, all right, Mary, that sounds great. Right, Mary. Yeah, uh, I I think that's it. I don't. I was trying to think if we had any shout outs or anything. Um, uh, no, covered. just keep the keep the mail the emails coming. You know, we'll, we we mm-hmm. we we respond whenever we can, as best as we can, and uh, we think you're all fucking phenomenal. Uh, there hasn't been one email where you know we were. Like, oh, who's this weirdo? You know, we were all kind of no. like, oh, yeah, who's these, this person's great. <laughs> I, I feel like, I mean, when we get these emails, we hear from people, it's like, oh, wow, we've really, like, drawn some cool people to us through this podcast. That's so cool. Uh, yeah. One of them being, of course, our, and I hope that she doesn't mind that I give a bit of a shout out. I mean, it's slightly anonymous, but our super fan, Shane, who did confirm that, indeed, straight people do use poppers. Yes, yes. At concerts, which, At which concerts. blew my mind. I'm like, why would I want to use poppers right oh my god i was like girl you're taking it to the next level i was so i mean holy shit like i need to be able to like lay down or at least oh yeah i need uh, to be able to lie down with poppers yeah i need need there to be a bed available all right mary Uh, (laughs) all right mary all right mary so uh so i appreciate the confirmation and and certainly uh you know, welcome more emails from people because we just fucking love hearing from you. Well, I guess that's all we've got for this week, Mary. All right, Mary. Well, okay. have a great week and we'll uh, talk to you next time, I talk guess. To you next time, all right? So uh, I guess all I have left to say is uh, bye. See you later.